Do get boo here. Yeah, no, we're good. It's on. All right. Recording. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, welcome everybody to a special episode. And no, I am not Samai. I'm actually Ty Roxon, the host. Mm-hmm of the As Told by Nomads podcast, but Samaya asked me to interview him so you all can get to know a little bit about his background. So we're going to learn about the man behind the movement. Welcome to the show, Samai. Thank you, Teo. Great, <laughs> great to have you on. This is a little different for you, right? You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, uh, I've, I've never been interviewed in this format before, so <laughs> well, I like this, it. It's fun. This is good. We yeah. get to know a little bit about how you got started, why you're doing this, and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you in the early days. Who was Samai when he was a kid? What did he want to do? Um, so Samai grew up in a, or me, <laughs> I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. Uh, I grew up in an immigrant family, um, and it's interesting, right? Uh, very similar to like Gary Vaynerchuk's story, except uh, I wasn't the first to hop on Google Ads or um, you know create the first wine e-commerce business. <laughs> um, my family came from India straight to New York to Brooklyn. And uh, my dad came to this country before he met my mom with about $7 in his pocket. And um, he had a degree, but he had to figure it out for himself. Mm. And he had a lack of opportunity at that time. And as he was re- as he was actually you know, getting into America, settling in, he had to work three or four jobs. And he realized that wasn't paying the bills at all. What actually happened was, you know, after him and my mom got married uh, and settled down, they had my brother and then they had me uh, five years later. And what happened was my parents were realizing that they were all, both of them were working multiple jobs. They were struggling, didn't have any time with their kids. And um, the, the jobs they were doing weren't really going anywhere, right? It was just to fill that role, that task. And what decided my, what made my dad decide to, you know, switch away from working was um, the hotel industry, and for many Indians, the uh, hotel industry is a is a go to or a liquor store or a gas station for the first generation, right? I, I think it's it's interesting now because I see so many more Indians coming into entrepreneurship and right. startups, which is a really great feeling. Um, and so my dad took out a loan, pitched some investors, and got his first hotel. And uh, we, I was born in a four by four room, a part of that hotel. And um, I used to grow up seeing my mom and dad do everything from housekeeping um, to, to, you know, front desk, everything. Fast forward, long story. um, I've seen my dad go from us being poor Mm. and to having a multi-million dollar empire Mm. and multiple hotels within a management and fund portfolio. Um. And unfortunately, as I've seen this wave, I was grateful enough to see the rise. And I'm still very aware of how he he's stepped above every time and every year. Uh, 2008 recession hit um, and we pretty much lost everything. And so I see I went back to seeing what we were before. Uh, we didn't move back into a hotel room. We still had the same house and everything. But at a young age, I saw my dad crumble in that way. Um, and it's not something that I'm proud to admit, but I mean, I'm openly stating it. Um, and from there, I saw what the real journey was for an entrepreneur or for a businessman in general, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, you work your tail off. And then can you imagine years later, uh, the recession just comes after you and, and it sweeps you off your feet. And what I came to realize out of that lesson is entrepreneurship is a great thing. But if you're not prepared, uh, I mean, <laughs> the rug will be pulled under, pulled under you, right? <laughs> um, and 
So fast forwarding to graduating college, um, my dad still had a lot of his portfolios, well, assets in his portfolio, and he needed to get rid of them, refinance them, renovate them, um, or and revamp the operations. And they were all in Austin, Texas. So uh, without any permission, I saw that nobody was taking care of it. And they were back in New Jersey. Um, and the people that were there were mishandling the whole operation. Uh, so what I did was I just booked my own ticket after college, packed two bags, and said, you know what, I'm moving down. And my parents weren't too pleased with it because they weren't, they didn't think I was capable of turning, you know, the portfolio properties around. Um, I had, you know, knock on wood, I had GMs at every property, but it was, it was a good, it was four to six properties we had to manage. Right. Um, and going down, I didn't know anything out of college. I didn't know anything about cutting my teeth into the finance side, the accounting side. I've worked, I've, I've, work jobs since I was 13. You know, that's the first thing my dad installed in me was, um, you know, you like this toy, you like this video game, here's a broom, wake up at 6am, I'll drop you off somewhere. And that's really how I learned my work ethic um, before even high school. Um, and going down to Texas was a completely, <laughs> it was an eye opening thing. <laughs> and what I realized was that my first job was to fire somebody. <laughs> you have to fire someone. Yeah. And it was a, it was a 40 year old woman with oh, three kids. Oh, no. She was, a, she wasn't doing her job. So they were like, yeah. So like you booked this ticket, you want to put out these fires. Like this was entrepreneurship one-on-one because it's putting out fires. Oh my gosh. And this is the first realization of like being a businessman or businesswoman, yeah. being an entrepreneur is very unsexy. Oh, my like goodness. I thought it was like the coolest shit in the world. <laughs> No, not at all. Fire somebody completely gut wrenching. And I'm this kid like, so I had to learn emotional intelligence on the fly. I had to learn empathy on the fly. Um, and after that first punch in the gut, I was just like, okay, there's nothing worse than this. So I kept rolling with it. I mean, over the span of a year and a half, I turned around four properties. I sold two, I renovated and refinanced the others. Um, and we're getting rid, we're getting ready to get rid of all the assets currently with our family. And so I did that with the help of maybe one other person. Mm. Um, and that was where I really had my, my get going with entrepreneurship, right? Um, kind of got into a little bloodbath with some of the, uh, like the external partners and, and decided to split away and realized it was really unhealthy for me, for their management portfolio. And I was sitting on a couch one day in Austin, just scratching my head, like, what the hell do I do? And so I drafted up this pro forma plan and, and met these investors that I knew through family friends that lived in San Antonio, mm. and they were heavy real estate developers. Um, when I went down to their office, I was nervous as hell. I just wanted to go there and learn and saw how they got into real estate development and what they were building. And I knew that maybe getting into real estate development would be a more viable path, right? Which is, again, maybe not what people think entrepreneurship is because they relate it to tech startups and shit like that. But entrepreneurship goes through a spectrum of different verticals. Mm. Um, so as I'm going down to their office, I realize, okay, I'm nervous, but let me pitch them on this plan I had. And I printed it out and I had it in my backseat just in case the synergies clicked and it did. So I ran out to my car and I presented the plan to them and I said, this is the idea of a fund. Let's build out a management portfolio. Let's construct these properties um, that were mid to high tier hotels, anything including Marriott's, Hyatt's and Hilton's. And um, let's bootstrap this fund and, and develop it. And I'll be in charge of helping with the funds and helping with the development and helping with the city and architects and engineers. So I did, it was on the move from there. And, and, and within several weeks time, my life changed from being, being 
essentially pushed out of where I was with the family business and external partners to starting my own thing, uh, which led to jealousy with the uh, previous partners. <laughs> Bernie gets around the wire. Um, so I'm this cocky, young, arrogant kid, and I think I know everything. And I had no humility at that point, which I should have. Now I look back at it and I should have been more radically open-minded. And I realized, okay, um, I'm doing all of this. I'm killing it. My confidence was through the roof. I was dating a girl that was, I was really into at the time. I like life was working for me, like at a super young age. And I'm like, no way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm building this at a young age. Like nobody's doing it without their daddy because like, that's how it was really in like the hotel industry, right? Like your daddy or your mommy or your family groomed you into this person. And then you just manage their money. And then that's how generations moved. Um, where I kind of as st- like took a step away from that and did it on my own and bootstrapped the fund. And the fund's valuation was about like $40 million, um, which was pretty crazy at that time. And, and with revenues, predicting three-year revenues and more, it would, it would be in like a 3x, 4x valuation on top of that. Um, and I learned everything on the fly, anything from dealing with politics with the city, with the mayor, to architects, engineers, to construction, to general contracting, to fundraising, to r- raising foreign investments and bridging them into the United States to help build and um, create more jobs. And everything was going well until a year and a half later, two years, um, where I got sat down in the office and I never realized this, right? I was on my high horse. I went down to San Antonio and it was pretty much like, hey, there's no more work for you. Well, um, and you have your equity here. And like you bootstrap this, but like, thank you for your services. Like, we're just going to take over. And big bank takes little bank at the end of the day. Wait, how can they, if it's your company, how can they fire you? Um, so it was split, uh, right? If I'm raising cash from investors, they have a majority of the stake in the company. They had a majority. Yep. They had a majority Oof. of the stake. Oof. So uh, obviously like startups and venture capital are slightly different, but this is a, yeah. this is a REIT we're talking about. Right. And it had a mezzanine structure to it. Um, and at this point, I couldn't believe it. I felt like a brick hit me on the side of my head. Um, and I burned, I crashed and burned. Um, and I didn't have anywhere to go. I was lost. I fell into depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from thinking I was going to be this very successful kid and my family was even banking on it at that point, my mom and dad at least, um, to being a nobody. And eventually the girl I was dating at the time I was really into saw the turmoil I was going in and she bounced. I don't blame her. Hmm. Um, and that's really, that was my taste again of unsexy, right? I, I, I feel people, I'm getting off topic, but I feel people over glorify what it's like to be in a startup um, in the founding stages, the seed stages. But in reality, it's, it's I don't recommend it. But yeah. if you're truly driven, then you will succeed. Yeah. Um, so that was really my start into entrepreneurship. Um, fast forwarding, moved into New York, got involved with venture capital, um, networking. Uh, I used to go on LinkedIn when I was nobody and move back to New York and just book meetings from LinkedIn and grab coffee with people, with VCs and, 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 and really successful entrepreneurs and just get their view on life. That's it. And I, I had no money in my bank account and I was just buying them coffee. I would have like $100 and I'll be like, I have 30 meetings lined up, $10. For this one, this one, they didn't know it, but like I was spending my money to to sit down with people in New York, take the train from Jersey every day and and, and, and learn. And I got involved into the startup community um, and eventually made my way into venture capital as well. 
um, knock on wood, you know, I'm here while I last, but, um, it's, it's, it's been a exhilarating experience and this is fast forwarding two years later again. Right. Um, and I started the unsexy startup because of this. I, me and a co-founder, um, named Raj Singh, he's the CEO of go moments. Um, he is the president of this podcast and helps with a lot of strategy. And uh, he's in larger rounds of funding with his company. He's killing it as, you know, the world's largest hotel chatbot. Um, and he's a seasonal entrepreneur. Like he created a design and media company before this that had over 1 billion views online. Uh, clients such as, you know, MTV, Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga, you name it. Um, and then he spun this off as well. Um, and he asked me one day, you know, one night, he was like, yo, what do you want to make content on? What do you want to brand on? You know? And I realized there's a void in the market of what it's really like to grow a startup, an audio version of, mm-hmm. um, you usually hear about the sexy stuff, like how to scale and, you know, how to hire a VP, how to hire, how, how to fire, how to manage your board. Right. Um, oh, or like interviews with founders, like, oh, you raised hundred million. Like you're great. Right. But like, do people ask those founders who raised 10 and even 1 million, right? What the fuck did you go through mm. to get to that? And that's why I created the Unsexy Startup because there's so many seed stage founders that are frustrated every day and they love their grind and they're passionate. And we wanted to share stories of founders who have raised successful rounds and have been through multiple companies and say, where were you at that unsexy moment in your seed stage or where in your life and where are you now? And, mm-hmm. and let's talk about certain challenges such as emotional intelligence, um, cash crunch, runway, funding. Uh, branding, the unsexy challenges you had with those and, and, and giving that tangible piece of audio mm-hmm. in 20 to 30 minutes for people to listen to, I thought would be a great leverage to the startup community and to the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs in general. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of podcasts. It's what launched my career. I think yes, as told by Nomads, yeah. killing it. Dude, what are you, episode 311 now? Yeah, 311. I think, yeah, 312 might have come out today. Hey, yo, your story's crazy. You know what? We're going to do another story. I think for our audience, I want to do another story on As Told by Nomads and As Teo. Because when we met, I was completely inspired to make – you're one of the reasons I made this podcast. Well, thank you. No, Your absolutely. story was nuts going from, like, bankruptcy to, like – you know, being a thought leader and a domain expert within yeah. a certain industry. Oh my no, goodness. It's uh no, I mean, listen to you. I get reminded of all those moments because it, it is what people don't talk about often. And one thing I wanted to touch on there, actually a couple of things. I, I noticed you said you had this interesting experience with your partners and a big part of many businesses is, is who you partner up with. Right. What was the problem with the partners? Cause there are many people now who might be thinking I need a co-founder or I'm trying to get out of a bad situation. What can you share? So with my partners, I trusted them off the fact that they were family friends. And when you, when you, when you, you know, when you cross your T's and dot your I's with people that you assume to be family and they're not, look, I'm not bad mouthing them. These guys are well-established businessmen with millions of dollars in their bank accounts. And they're probably like 55, 60 years old. Right. Yeah. So I, for, for, for one, this is not their podcast. They're not going to listen to this Two, It's like, it's also they weren't, they did what they knew best and they handled business the way they knew best. And what I did, I take the mistakes for that. That was super unsexy mm-hmm. was I was, I was the young horse they were riding. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I tried to get into like a kind of a war with them, but I would have lost. So taking it back, I realized coming to New York, this is leverage to build more, right? Let this failure be my leverage. Cause it shows my capacity. Now it's about really 
getting in tune with people, find same synergies, and then they we all come together as a community and build together something new. So the, the lesson you learned there was what was making sure you're you cross your eyes and dot your teeth. More than work. that, it's if you're going to business with somebody, uh-huh. it's kind of like it's all it's it's nonverbal things as well. It's like if you get a bad gut vibe, get the fuck out of there. Okay. In my opinion, like if you get a bad vibe, like even if you're communicating on some friendly shit with them, like yeah. get away. And if you don't feel it, if you don't feel like there's no like real mutual, like your gut will give you a sharp pain. You know, I'm reading, it's funny, pain should be when you're looking for partners or co-founders and you have this painful gut twist in your stomach, it means something's not good. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading Ray Dalio's book right now called Principle. Mm -hmm. And one section of it is like pain is your direction. Pain is an alert system. And that's what I want to reiterate on here is is if you're looking for a co-founder make sure that you're you don't have no extreme intu- intuitive pain in your gut that's telling you you know what i'm talking yeah about. i know yeah and don't give away your equity too soon no no, no yeah, don't yeah. don't give your equity away too soon uh, the one thing i see is that two co-founders may have two different visions yeah and they're trying to play too nice to each other and they're trying to avoid confrontation yeah and in reality what happens because of that is um is uh you know three months down the road a year and a half down the road two years down the road they're like oh no no no! i wanted to do it this way and the other co-founder wants to go that way and i've seen so many blood bats where it's just like yo my equity is not right or yo i'm out like i don't see this aligning with me 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 yeah you know the the thing i've had interesting co-founder experiences myself but co-founders are like they're like a marriage almost because you know how communication and trust those are the bedrocks of good relationships the same thing with co-founders because even if you don't address it early on it's going to play out in the long run and and maybe one person gets more successful and they're like oh well i wish i had said that early on because now they're taking advantage of that or maybe someone just feels like you're really just not doing what the mission was that they thought you were supposed to do and and then it becomes this process where it can be a messy divorce because one person is allowing the ego to to not let them compromise and it's just crazy if you don't really figure that out early on yeah i mean i i think another good strategy is as a founder of a company early on bring in that one or two people that are working diligently by you even yeah. when you have fucking broke broke nights empty bank accounts um product has ten thousand bugs i've been i've seen it yeah right? you've seen it all you've, I, I've seen, seen, it. you've seen it as well but i mean it's and you see those people stick by you without any kind of co-founder. They're, they're very agnostic with what they do. They're more generalist. And you see that they have the grit to yeah. go through what you're going through, which yeah. is the most important, right? Someone can graduate with an HBS degree. <laughs> but if you do not have grit, your intellect, your intelligence can only get you so far. Right. And if you see those core characteristics like awareness, focus, and resilience, grit, right? The main thing. And, and, and they're riding out with you. For an extended amount of time, even there's times where you, you've you cut their paycheck in half, they're still by you working diligently. I think you can reconsider them to come in as co-founders. Absolutely. And, you know, the part of being a business is and there's that great Simon Sinek talk, the why, right? Yeah. If you really know what your why is, and he says in that talk, leaders, you define leaders by the amount of followers they have. And yeah. your followers are going to buy into the why, they see the vision. And if you can sell that, that's right. how you get your co-founders, that's how you get your team. Um, no, so I love that. I love that you saying that story because I know that many people listening right now who feel discouraged, one, by the fact that every story in Fortune magazine is this 
hundred million dollar person, yeah. but it was like, I don't have a co-founder and it's it hard. Is it always going to be this hard? So. I mean, I, like I'm not here to drop names, but a lot of founders I talk to that are successful found, not just bullshit founders, right? Yeah. That, like think they rent out a space at a cohort and then like think they have this like <laughs> amazing company. I'm talking to real founders, right? Like people that are not, that are radically open-minded and that are quiet and yeah. that learn, yeah. not cocky people is what I'm trying to get at. Those founders always say some, I like my main advice is for people is like, it's almost like kind of like, you know, it's not motivating. Right. But it's like, yo, like a startup should be a warning. Like make sure you want to go into a startup or start create a company because it is a very, very rough journey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another thing I picked up on with your story is that you're self-starter. You're very driven. You moved to Austin to manage portfolios, even though your parents said, or they thought you might not be able to do it. After that first partnership experience, you started moved and did your own thing and you were on fire. Where do you feel like you have that drive to just start things and drive yourself? Um, for two things, I was a terrible student <laughs> in high school, in elementary school, in middle school. I was a good student in college, but I realized I didn't go to a great college either. So um, it was it was really, I didn't say I go to a great college. It just, you know, it didn't meet like the degree. I knew the degree can get me in the door, but the degree couldn't accelerate my life. Mm. And I seen my dad start things when I was young. And that fascinated me. My father was my hero growing up. You know, he, before I was born, before my brother was born, he, when he moved to this country, he was sleeping on a hardwood floor and used a mattress to cover himself because he didn't have a blanket. Like, that's rough. Like, can you imagine it's like a mattress covering yeah, you sleeping on the floor? Yeah. Um, but I, that's what instilled it in me. And then when I saw my father lose it all at a very young age during the recession, um, and I'm very, this is my first time being open about this, right? Um, and I saw him, you know, Two things happen to a human being at that age, subconsciously. Either you're risk adverse, you're risk adverse now, meaning you saw your father fail, and you're just going to stick to whatever route, work up a ladder, and that's it. You want to be safe, mm. or you can be like, "Yo, my dad is not going to end up going out without a fight." Neither is like my mother. Like my dad didn't work hard for this. My mother didn't work hard for this. My my family didn't go through trials and tribulations, and that was one of my core. Dr drivers in wanting to be an entrepreneur. Um, and my second one was that I was always called a loser growing up or like the odd one out um, or like you don't fit in or like, you know, like, I don't know, whatever people say, like, yeah. like people, like it was just that. And I, I, I took, I take humility in it now. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm short, hairy and brown. Like who cares? Right. Like, um, but it, before, like that was a driver, right. Getting bullied a lot getting bullied a lot, getting called out as a loser. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to amount to anything. And, and, and that would install a lot of drive in me. And it wasn't to prove these people wrong. Cause I don't know. I forgot who these people were, but it was that, yo, I didn't want to grow up being this loser and then getting pushed into a wheel and painting myself in a corner. I had to live life a certain way just because society says I have to live that way or that, you know, Things are dangerous. You can't do it. Yeah. I'm young. I can still take risks. Exactly. You know, and, and that's one of the things I hope the listeners can gather. A lot of people, when they think about entrepreneurship, the reason why I love the concept of the unsexy startup is they think they don't have to take any risks. They think they have to, like, just build a safe environment. But a lot of it is going to be going and jumping without actually knowing whether you're going to land on somewhere safe. Right? <laughs> you're going to land on a jagged edge or a rock. You hit yeah. some bruises. 
And your story highlights that. You talk, you know, I mean, there are many moments where you just took a leap. You didn't know what was going to happen. And even with now with the podcast, you have a vision and that's what's driving you. And so anyone listening, that's part of being unsexy. You have to be, you have to believe in something. More, it, you have to believe in something, but you have to be willing to eat shit on a daily basis, right? Like Gary Vaynerchuk says this all. You like, love Gary V. I yeah. love Gary V. Right <laughs> for this reason, though, right? We, I mean, I, I, I didn't take advantage of my early twenties yeah. like Gary V. did, so we don't have that. Yeah, you're that still young, though. Yeah. I'm still young, but yeah. like, like immigrant family, grew up in Edison. I grew up near Edison. Like it, this whole thing, like it was just relatable, and I was like, oh, like. Fucking yeah. Like yeah. liquor store, Indians own liquor stores all the time. <laughs> uh, and uh and and that was like my that was like one of the first thought leaders I started really following, and then I understood what he did actually, and then I got into that. But like Gary Vee says that like it's not Forbes listed. It's not that's great, dude. I support Forbes, I support Huffington oh, Post, I I support TechCrunch. I think these are great foundations and platforms for entrepreneurs to shine on. But what I'm trying to say is it's not all about that. It's about, you know, it's about forget about the publicity. Mm-hmm. Would you do this without the publicity? Yeah. Would you do the unsexy heavy lifting? Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. No, I, I love it. And staying on there, who else is your inspiration? Who are your biggest inspirations? I know you got Gary Vee, but who else? Gary Vee, Tao Roxon. Nah, As man. told by Nomads. Nah, man. No, no, seriously, like, who do you? you no, know? seriously, you're an inspiration. <laughs> Dude, you think I'm bullshitting with you, man. No. It's, I will I will tell you it is hard to climb out of a fucking hole, man. It is very hard without victimizing yourself to climb out of a hole and you climbed out of one. We'll save that for another episode. For sure. Um, <laughs> but another one is again my my president and co-founder, Raj Singh. When I was on a couch coming back from New York, mm-hmm. he was the man. I called his ass and I haven't talked to him in three years. Mm. And I'm I the first question I asked is like, bro, how did you do it? And like, and I was just like, yo, I want nothing from you, but to learn from you. And, and he took me in as a big brother and he taught me a lot. And if it wasn't for him, I really wouldn't be working towards what I'm working towards now mm-hmm. at all. Like that's the man really. And, and my, and my older brother, Rohan, um, who had, who didn't, he didn't have a similar, he went through a rough patch. He hit rock bottom and, and built a name for himself in the New York startup community um, and he was the one that kind of pushed me into like, yo, get into startups. Cause at the time, you know, when the whole re crash, I'm like, eh, startup seems commoditized. Everybody has a nap. Like what's the difference. Right. And I got into it open-mindedly after that. And I was like, yo, this is where I need to be. Like New York was my stomping ground compared to Texas. I love Texas. Don't get me wrong. It's just New York was like it for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I moved back here. So, I mean, I think Raj, you, Gary V, my brother, Rohan, um, and I, you know, the, I really, that's, that's, that's it right now. Yeah. Um, I don't have, like, I have so many people I look up to, yeah. um, but in, in terms of people that I can communicate with, yeah. not Gary V, uh, eventually happen. it's going to happen. It will happen. It'll happen. Sure. But, um, <laughs> that's, that's really where I, I think those are the, the people I look up to. Well, you know what I like about you, you know, in addition to being a risk taker, you were committed to learning. That's that's what that's another thing that a lot of our generation needs to do in order to be, you know, a great entrepreneur. That mindset of constant and continuous learning and knowing that there's always more to to attain or learn from someone is a path to dig yourself out of a hole. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you say that. Um, it's not about making money now. 
It's mm. about learning now. Yeah. It's about making money when you're 35, 36, 37. I realized so many college kids, even myself, right? Getting out of college way, way back. I was like, yo, I'm gonna make my $100,000, that's it, right? Yeah, me too, man, me too. And that was it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, that's good. Yeah. But I was like, yo, People are just off to the races to hit that mark, and then mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is life's an evolution, right? Yeah. Life's an unsexy evolution, mm -hmm. which is you're going to go, you're going to do big, you're going to fail, you're going to do big, you're going to fail. And, and life's a learning process. Reiterate, learn, reiterate, learn, reiterate, learn. Like, that's it. And, and it, you'll be desensitized to pain through that learning loop. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, I think the most important thing is – learning, building a foundation, connecting people, um, being valued now. Mm -hmm. Monetization comes later. It yeah. doesn't come full. And look, part-time monetizing can come now. Yeah. But real, real monetization, right? For the founders that want to have $100 million in ER, right? Because that's the dream, even mm -hmm. more. Um, the reality is, is that that comes after the foundation is built. Yeah. You know, what's cool. That's exactly what you're doing with this, right? <laughs> right. You're in a state of learning, but the hope you have for this podcast, this movement, this website and everything you're doing is to create a platform mm -hmm. for people to come and learn and be mentored from, from entrepreneurs from different parts of the world. And they can learn themselves about the processes. They can feel inspired by knowing that it's not just them going through that process. It, so yeah. Talk more about the vision. No, no, I mean, look, it's, it's, I'm trying to make unsexy sexy. Right. The magic is in the unsexy. Mm -hmm. um, a few founders I've interviewed, I've actually said that. And that's really what it is. It, it, if we can make unsexy sexy and, and create that movement, I bet you there'll be a lot more aspiring entrepreneurs and current entrepreneurs mm -hmm. ready out there to put out any type of fire, roll up their sleeves and do any type of even mundane task, even if that's the unsexy part. Mm -hmm. And they're excited about it. I want people to be excited about starting their company, yeah. even when it's super challenging. Because yeah. it's lonely, dude. Fall in love with the process. It's falling in love with the process is lonely to start a company. It is man. lonely. If the founders and the co-founders are the only people that know within that specific company how fucking hard it is. Yeah. Emotionally. And so, sometimes you're the only ones that can see like the solution to a problem. Yeah. I was listening to How I Built This, the other podcast. With, they were talking about the Airbnb founder. Right. They just Brian moved, Chesky. Yeah. They just moved. Like, they moved to San Francisco. Like, you know, it's crazy concept. Inviting strangers to your house. And they tried, you know, they went to South by Southwest. They had all these people. No one showed up. No one invested. People told them they were crazy. But yet, they were able to find the, the find a way to get into Y Combinator because the founder loved the fact that they created this breakfast thin yeah. and hustled a way to make money to pay the rent. It wasn't even the idea. Yeah. And so he loved their grit there. Right. And he loved their tenacity to find a way to find a solution. But no one actually believed that strangers would buy into that. And then it was through a series of failures that, you know, some people said, hey, this is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I'm going to do this. And then um, the monetization came there. But your, your story is similar. It's dealing with the process, finding a way to be creative with making money, you yeah. know, and then understanding that even though no one sees it, you can learn from the mistakes and turn it into, uh, you know, something that our generation can benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, with even with the Brian Chesky and Airbnb story, um, 
it, he he recalls a time waking up one morning and his stomach was growling. Yes. And he forgot he had food in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. He said this on there, yeah, right? He did. And his credit cards are maxed out. Yeah. This is unsexy shit, right? Yeah. This is what entrepreneurship people, is about. People, no one people, talks about this. I use Airbnb. Everybody uses Airbnb. Yeah. But people don't know what it took to build Airbnb. There you go. That's what I'm talking. That's what. That's why this is so important. That's why I love what you're doing. It, that's it. Like, he was so hungry. <laughs> Maxed out credit cards, and then he realized he had fucking what was it? A uh, a uh, 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 John McCain and uh, Barack Obama cereal yeah, in his yeah, in his cabinet, <laughs> and like. You've been there, dude, where you had to fucking eat cereal. Yeah, I used to time come ago. over here to eat cereal. <laughs> and, but, but that's the process. And that's why when you say the unsexy, I, I really want you to come up with the unsexy principles. I think you should come up with all these things because I think the education system does not promote the idea of, of dealing with uncomfortable situations or, or being an entrepreneur. I think the current education system, like you just said, there are many places you, you didn't do well in school. I have people that didn't do well in school as well. And we get told this lie that we have to get this grade in this in this class so that we can be successful. But not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody's meant to be the scientist, the doctor, the engineer. Everybody else has their own path. And we have to show them that there is a way through entrepreneurship. Yes, I believe so. And, and, and look, it's heartbreaking when your startup doesn't work out. Of course. I've been there. So many people have been there. You've yeah, been there. Yeah. <laughs> I really, truly believe, though, um, you just look at the world differently after. And that's why I recommend everybody to try it at least once or work at a seed stage company at least once. And and from there, you're able to see um, what it's really like. And it'll, it'll, it'll make you respect your life a lot more. You'll be grateful for a lot more things, right? Yeah. More appreciation and, and gratitude, actually. More gratitude. Yeah. I think more self awareness. Oh, self awareness, gratitude. Look, when nothing humbles you more than failing consistently, yeah. and then you're like, "Oh my goodness, I really need to stop taking these things for granted." Yeah. And then you're like, "I need to be more grateful for the opportunities I have." And then the self awareness, you get more aware of your strengths, yep. your weaknesses, and some too many people I feel like focus too much on the weaknesses and they don't focus enough on their strengths. And, and I did. I fell into that trap a lot where I was this. I thought I had to be this great numbers guy, and I you don't have to. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, my strength is connected." I was, yeah. like, and I was, I was losing that. No, find yeah. a person to replace that strength. Exactly. Like, I, in in that opinion. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this this is what the unsexy startup is about. It's by founders yeah. for founders. I'm only speaking ten percent of the time on the podcast, excluding this one. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is important for for that for people to know that it's it's authentic. Yeah, it's I mean, I look, this. this is why I wanted to create it. It's not for me. There's founders out there every day in New York. It, you name it anywhere, California. It, it doesn't matter where you are. Miami, fucking India. It doesn't matter, right? China, um, yeah. the Midwest. Yeah, we're two. I'm Nigerian. You're an Indian immigrant. Yeah. I, we're not like the typical. We don't look no. like the typical no, success no, we stories. No, we really so don't. we're here talking about what we are doing yeah. here. So this is not. This is to show you that you can be inspired. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if I can share and spread the message of, of amazing founders that I've interviewed and, and and give their voice as a, as something that can help people, maybe if they had a bad day, they listen to the podcast. Yeah. They're like, oh, you know what? I went through the same thing. I'm going through the same thing. I can take in maybe not 100% of it or 100% of it and add a few pieces here and there. I think I've done my job. Okay. Well, we're getting ready to wrap up, but when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Samai Varik, the reading. 
Honestly, I was, I was writing my goals down the other day. I want to be remembered for creating a community and the buzzword called fucking platform. Um, <laughs> that, no, I honestly, the honest to God, I want to be remembered for creating a community and a platform that has helped founders get through these troubling stages. And I, I've, at least my voice or somebody's voice I've interviewed on the podcast has been with them through dark times, through empty bank accounts, through frustrations, through product through scaling, mm. through handling investors, through managing a board, challenge, unsexy challenges, through bad relationships. If I can be that voice and the founders that on this podcast can be that voice, the unsexy startup has done its job. And that's a long-term goal. That's a beautiful thing, man. I, you know, I can see this being something that people learn. I think you're also helping people, like you said, fall in love with the unsexy. Yeah, that is the that's the goal. Sexy. That's a that long-term is, that, goal, that is man. It, that it is. I want people to roll their sleeves up everywhere and be like, "Yo, I'm down." I'm ready. ready? Yeah, I'm can't ready. wait. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Where can people find more about you and your updates? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'll put my LinkedIn in the description below. I'll also put um, my website in the description below, which is www.theunsexystartup.com. Mm-hmm. Um, please subscribe for newsletters and podcast updates. Yeah, please. Yeah, leave reviews and. and- on uh, iTunes. Yes, on iTunes and podcasts. It helps the ratings. And tell your friend. If you have a, a friend that's trying to build a business or someone that's thinking about starting a business, let them know about the podcast. Yeah, I mean, this this is for founders in their early stages, even within their Series A stages, um, that are going through some troubles, like 99% of founders. And um, <laughs> I share stories of anything from managing a team's optimism again to cash crunch and running out of funding and, and, and what to do with the next steps to, uh, you know, rebranding on the unsexy parts of the startups. And this is all to instill more resilience into these early stage founders so they can get into later stages and build more of that grit to become a better founder and, and build a better company. All right, so my Parikh, ladies and gentlemen, the man behind the unsexy startup. <laughs> Until next time. Keep making the unsexy sexy.